And what I, I hope to do is, is to prepare us for uh, taking the Lord's Supper, experiencing the Lord's Supper together in a few minutes, um, is, is to have us uh, also prepare to pray. As I announced last week, we're going to have an opportunity for, at, at our back, our prayer team and elders are going to be standing at the back during our communion time. And uh, if you have a, a need in your life or uh, desire for God to do something in your, in your, in your experience or someone you know, uh, you can go and receive prayer. And uh, those times are often really special, and we hear reports back of God showing up in, in cool ways. And so I don't know what, uh, what, what need you have, but I'm going to encourage you to, to head back there and uh, to receive prayer. I believe God wants to meet with us in a special way this morning. Amen? So to help us prepare, we're going to look at one of the accounts of the, the Lord's Supper, one that we find in Luke chapter 22. And so if you have a Bible, I encourage you to turn there. We're going to be looking at this uh, great account of the Last Supper. Jesus is, is seated with his 12 disciples, and uh, we're going to read from Luke chapter 22, starting at verse 14. The ushers have Bibles. If you like an, a Bible, uh, and good thing to have on hand, uh, you can put up your hand, and they would be glad to give you a Bible. But beginning in verse 14, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. He gave thanks and broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And then jumping down to verse 24. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Amazing. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who is served? Who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Why don't we, why don't we pray? Would you join me? Father, we're just uh, grateful uh, this morning that when we gather together, you're near, and uh, we long to experience connection with you. And so this morning, Lord, we just uh, we come, we, we look at your word, and we say, speak to us again. Take these words that we may have read many, many times, and uh, would you apply them to our lives this morning, that we might encounter you, we pray. Meet us, Lord, as we pray at the end of the service, I pray... <laughs> Heaven would come down and, and uh, your glory would fill this place. We pray that, Lord, in faith. Speak, Lord, your servants, we're listening. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Um, 
I uh, read an intriguing quote by William uh, Sloan Coffin this week where he says, the Lord's Supper quenches my thirst for hope. This passage, I think, helps us think about communion as a way to both declare and cultivate hope in our lives and in our experiences. Uh, we live, I don't know about you, but it's, you look around your life, you look around the world, it's a pretty discouraging scenario often, isn't it? We live in, in what you could call a pretty discouraging world, and, and our capacity to make a, a difference for good, whether in our homes or our schools or our jobs or, or in our church or, or even in the world, rests largely on whether we will be able to be a people of hope, to live out of this, this confidence that all will be well. Um, hope is one of the themes of one of my favorite films, probably my favorite, Shawshank Redemption. How many like that film? Anybody? It's so good. I, some Sunday morning, we'll just sit and watch the whole film from beginning to end. No, we never will. Set in a prison. And uh, one of my favorite characters, Red, is played by Morgan Freeman, and he's an inmate in this Shawshank prison, and he's there for like 40 years, uh, almost never to be paroled, it would seem. And uh, prison, uh, uh, Red, Red has come to believe that hope is actually a dangerous thing. He would, uh, I think, uh, agree with the old adage that, you know, don't get your hopes up, right? You hope you're sure to be disappointed. Well, Andy Dufresne, his, his friend, in a contrast to Red, tries in his experience in prison, he's there innocent, but, and he's, he's trying to hold on to hope. And uh, there's this great scene where uh, Red is finally out, Andy's escaped, and, oh, I just gave away the whole movie. Um, I really apologize for if you haven't seen the movie, that, that's it, you can't watch it now. Um, but uh, there's a scene that I want to show you where, where Red... Uh, is reading a letter that Andy has written, uh, written to him. Let's watch the scene. Dear Red, if you're reading this, you've gotten out. And if you've come this far, maybe you're willing to come a little further. You remember the name of the town, don't you? Say what to nail. I could use a good man to help me get my project on wheels. I'll keep an eye out for you and the chessboard ready. Remember, Red, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. I will be hoping that this letter finds you and finds you well. Your friend, Andy. scene. Hope is a good thing. It's one of the best things. And, and hope is powerful. Why is it powerful? Not because it denies the trouble in our world or the trouble in our own lives. It doesn't minimize what we might be going through. But hope is, is a declaration. It, it, it gives us the ability to recognize that what we see in our world does not have the last say. It's not the final word. I'd say we all Every single one of you long for hope in your life. I mean, uh, the Apostle Paul in Romans 8 talks about how all of creation has this longing, this 
kind of eager expectation, this looking forward to the day when, when everything is going to be resolved. And, and then in Romans 5, 5, Paul says, this hope will not disappoint us. We long for hope, and, and I'd suggest that, that it's the only way to live. Uh, part of what it makes the, the Lord's Supper so powerful, as I says, is it quenches our thirst for hope. When, when, when we take the bread and, and when we take the cup, we're proclaiming together that our hope is in Jesus, is in Christ. Somehow as we do this, as we, we eat these elements, the, our, our hope is renewed again, and we're enabled to live in a discouraging world as a people of hope. There's something that kind of stands out in Luke's account of the Last Supper. It, it seems that Jesus is trying to impress, impress upon his apostles into their hearts and into their minds that his, this meal that they're, they're going to eat, that they're eating right then, foreshadows another meal that is to come. Jesus is saying that there's another meal that I'm, I'm looking forward to. In, in, in verse 15 and 16, we, we read that he eagerly desires to eat this meal. Why? <laughs> because he knows he won't eat it again until the kingdom that, uh, uh, until the kingdom that is yet to come. Then in verse 18, he, he refers to drinking of the fruit of the vine again in the kingdom, looking ahead to the consummation of the kingdom of God. And then look at these powerful words we find in Luke 18, or, or uh, verses 28 to 30, I should say. It says, you are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. So Jesus was with his disciples eating this meal, and he is anticipating, looking forward to a better meal. What meal was he talking about? This meal to come. Really, he was talking about the meal that we read about in the last chapters of Revelation, the, the wedding supper of the Lamb, this great banquet, a feast that, again, Jesus would be host of, a meal that has everything to do with everything that has ever been wrong in the world being made right. Or as Tolkien would say, everything sad becoming untrue. The full coming of God's kingdom. In, 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 verse, in 1 Corinthians, we read that as we eat and drink, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Uh, Jeffrey Wright, uh, theologian, says, he put it this way, he said, the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, is celebrated in the time of hope before the second coming of Christ of which the first coming of Christ was a promise. The church recalls before the Father in thanksgiving the first coming of Jesus and prays for the second coming of Christ in final fulfillment of that promise. In, in other words, Jesus is saying, don't just look back. I mean, he did say remember. He, he, he did say use these as, as symbols, as ideas to help remind you of, of what I'm giving in my life, the, the body and the blood of Christ, the, the cross, what I'll go through. But he's, he's also saying, don't forget to look forward. Don't forget to, to, to look ahead. Because <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet, he says. And so we're meant to live in this, this promise of God's coming in order to make all things well. His, his kingdom fully come. His will fully accomplished on earth as it is in heaven. 
Uh, I got the chance this week uh, for a good number of days to get, over, get away uh, by myself, and I went over to Bowen Island to one of my favorite places, to this place it's called Rivendell. Of course, it's my favorite place. Uh, those of you know, it's like right out of the Lord of the Rings. But um, it's a, a prayer retreat center on the top of a hill. You get off the ferry, and you can walk up this winding path, and it's this, this gorgeous facility that people go to and they pray. And so I, I'm there for a few days and I come home and my son says to me, he says, so dad, did anything exciting happen to you while you're away? <laughs> and I'm like thinking, I went away to like read and pray and journal and write and listen to God. I mean, like it's not exactly an episode of the, the Bourne trilogy or anything like that, right? But something, something awesome actually did happen. Uh, on Tuesday afternoon, it was a rainy, miserable day, and I was kind of cooped up all day doing all those things I just mentioned, and uh, I'm getting cabin crazy. And so I, I leave the retreat center, and I uh, decide to make my way up to the knoll, the, this, this viewpoint that's up above the retreat center that looks out over the Georgia Strait. It's beautiful. You can see the mountains and the, and the ocean. And uh, as I'm kind of making my way to this path, and, and there's this it's like this narrow little path with trees kind of covered. So you're kind of walking through this narrow pathway of trees. I'm praying. I'm just having a conversation with God. And I asked him something. And it was like, boom, the answer was right in my brain. And I knew it was from him. It was like right there. And I'm like, that's, that's cool. So I asked him something else. Bam, answer. Right. I don't know if you've ever had those moments where it's just like, and so I'm walking along, and I'm thinking, this is so cool how God just spoke instantly, gave me what I was seeking, and, and, I, and I knew it was from him. And, and uh, as, I, as I walked along, I, I said, God, seems like we're in this special moment right here. Is there anything else that you want to say to me? I didn't have any more questions to ask in that moment. So I'm like, is there anything you want to say to me? And I, I turned the corner. And I'm at, the, I'm at the viewpoint suddenly, and there's a rainbow breaking through right in front. And I'm like, I was blown away in that moment. You know why? I, I was expecting from God, like, some instruction, some, like, Derwin, I've got a task for you. Get busy with this. Do this, God. And, and what did God do? He he reminded through this rainbow, which is in Scripture a, a symbol of God's faithfulness and his presence and his, his, his capacity, his promise-keeping abilities. And, 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 and here I'm looking for instruction, and God says, what do you want to show me, God? What do you want to speak to me? And he, he wants to show me himself. That was my experience. It, it was awesome. Again, not quite maybe what my son was looking for, but it meant the world to me. And, you know, as, as we eat this meal, as we take the bread and as we take the cup, it's meant to be a rainbow moment for you. It's meant to be a, a rainbow moment for me where we remember that our God is a faithful God and what he has said, he will do. And that his kingdom is coming, that we will experience in the not-too-distant future, I don't know when, but the coming together of all of history into that moment where everything will be well. So we do that. As we eat, we anticipate this meal, this meal that we'll enjoy with, with Jesus. But here's the thing. In a mysterious way, in Jesus, 
that future event is already present in the now. I love the fact that we sang that song, uh, Spirit Come, here and now. <laughs> Let your spirit come. Here and now. I, I love just that refrain, here and now. But as someone once put it, our present is invaded by and infused by the future. So God's kingdom is coming, but our hope and our prayer is that God's glorious future would begin spilling into the now, spilling into our present. (laughs) Now, what might this mean for us kind of specifically this morning? What are the implications of, of, as we eat this meal, of of living in hope and having our hope restored and renewed? I want want to talk about, about three things that we hope happens to us as we enjoy the Lord's Supper together. First, as we, as we cultivate hope in the promise of God's coming kingdom, one side effect that we should experience or that we should expect is joy. We should expect joy. Um, Lincoln, uh, he's been really good at reminding me of this. He, he will often talk about communion, the Lord's Supper, as a celebration as a place of experiencing great joy, he would say. We experience a great joy. I, you know, when I was uh, growing up, though, I, I grew up in a church where, where we celebrated communion once a month. I think it was probably like the thir- third Sunday, just like we do. But we spent a lot of time focusing on the sufferings of Jesus, a lot of time reflecting on, on the cross, <laughs> and then we reflected on our own sin. You know, we were the ones who put him there. And there was this sorrow that was present as we celebrated communion. And it wouldn't be celebrated, it would be practiced communion. And, and, and there's places for that. I mean, we want to reflect. Uh, all, the Gospels invite us to reflect on Christ's sufferings for us and the sacrifice paid and that our sins are, are forgiven in him. But, but they're also meant to be a celebration. <laughs> You know, it should be clear from from Jesus' words that as we celebrate this holy meal, we drink together the cup of joy. A a, a cup of wine would have have signified joy. The the, the key to this joy is our our confidence, our faith, that Jesus is indeed ascended and seated on the throne at the right hand of the Father, and that he rules and reigns, and one day everyone will know it. There'll be justice, and there'll be peace. And so we eat in hopeful anticipation of another meal where all will be well, and so there ought to be joy. The second result of being a people of hope uh, is that we'll be marked by generous, active, sacrificial service. You see, the Lord's Supper is, isn't us saying that we're giving up on the world and we're waiting for Jesus to come to make all things right. If the Lord's Supper is a, a declaration of hope, not just in the future, but in the present, in the now, then it should propel us into meeting the needs of our world. I, I don't think it's an accident that in this account, in Luke's gospel, that right in this setting, he begins talking about serving he talked about what greatness looked like and what does greatness look like. It's, it's those who serve as, as he served. And, and that's what it means to be great in Jesus' mind. 
Some of you might remember um, Jordan Polson. He's a pastor friend of mine. Uh, he pastors uh, as part of a team at, at uh, Crossroads Church in Red Deer. And he was here visiting a couple years ago. And uh, their, their church is doing, I think, what, what we've been attempting to do as a community, partnering with local organizations seeking to engage with needs in our neighborhood and needs in our, in our community. They're, they're a really, really big church, and so what they did as they were embarking on this sort of shift in their experience is they hired a researcher, and this researcher actually pulled all of the, the social service agencies, every organization that did any kind of outreach, sort of ministering to the least of these in their neighborhoods, the community, the food bank, and, and, and all these kind of groups, and actually asked them what they perceived were the greatest needs of Red Deer. And, and after uh, interviewing, like, I think it was like 75 different organizations, they came up with two conclusions. Uh, the greatest needs in Red Deer, single moms, not single parents, actually single moms in that community, and at-risk children. And I thought that was really helpful for them to focus. And so they, they, as a church, have rallied around those two causes. They've actually invested heavily in reaching out to single moms and at-risk children. They've, they've responded to that. There's one other thing that they discovered in their research that fascinating was they found that consistently these organizations, these secular organizations specifically, had no sense of hope about being able to actually do anything to make a real difference in the lives of single moms and at-risk children. They, they knew what the problems were in their city, but they felt hopeless about doing anything significant about it. And so they as a church said, well, that's what we can bring. We can bring the hope of Christ because we have the power of Christ. And we can invest in these areas knowing that Jesus actually, because of his resurrection, can change anything. Nothing's impossible. No problem is too great. I, I actually think that, that we as Christians should be tackling the toughest problems of our world. Like, we should be at the front lines of every major difficulty, every issue that, where, where it's just, obviously, it's broken. We ought to be sending people to the breach because we believe in the hope that we have in Christ that we can actually make a difference. We don't, we don't go without the power of God. We absolutely have to go in his power. We have to go because he sends us. But we go with hope because we believe we can make a difference. Third thing, last thing I'd say, is that this, this Lord's Supper hope that we cultivate actually ought to lead us to pray bold prayers. We ought to pray bold prayers. At this, at this meal, we're praying for the spillover of the banquet to come, and we're praying that it'll happen now, in our midst, in our church, I mean, Jesus said these, these amazing words. I, I almost think we should have them on the, the wall here. He says, I confer to you a kingdom as my father conferred one to me. I confer to you my kingdom, my kingdom. And as we pray and as we, we seek God, we ought to, as we seek to follow Jesus' footsteps, what happened in Jesus' life? The kingdom kept breaking through all over the place. I mean, people getting healed dramatically, people getting restored, uh, outsiders becoming insiders, 
people discovering hope and life. We ought to be expecting to see that kind of happen, that kind of thing happen in our congregation and through us in our world. God's kingdom breaking through. We ought to expect to see more answered prayer. Guys, I want to see more answered prayer as a congregation. I, I, I want to see us pray bigger prayers for our lives, for the people we know, for our city. I, I'd love for us to pray bold. What's the, what's the line? Big, hairy, audacious prayers. Big, what's your big, hairy, audacious prayer? Your BHAP. Your big, hairy. Have you had a, ever had a hairy prayer? I mean, I don't know what that looks like even. Audacious prayer where, where only God can answer. You know, I know prayer is complicated because um, God sometimes seems not to answer our prayers. Um, some of you might say, I've been praying for a long time about something specific and, and God hasn't shown up. God's not answering. And we're reminded that God is not a cosmic vending machine who we go to with our quarter-sized prayers and expect him to pop out exactly what we want. God is God. It's a relationship. He invites us to trust him and to walk with him and to listen to him. Uh, we prayed for someone last week for healing and, and asked them what God had been speaking to them. And they said, I don't think I'm going to be healed right now. God has been saying, I want you to, to persevere. It was interesting how God actually spoke into their experience because they've been suffering with something for a long time. But I wonder if there's those of you who have actually stopped asking because for whatever reason... It, it, it hasn't been answered, or you maybe say, I asked it way back when, and, and I'm just kind of on hold with God. You know, you kind of tucked away that prayer on a shelf, and, and, and maybe, maybe someday, possibly, it's kind of a, a distant wish. And I, I, I wonder if Jesus' words where he said, ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking, do they mean anything to you? They ought to. I, I, I think Elijah's a good example for this. James points this out in, in James chapter 5, 17 and 18, I think. James uh, lifts up Elijah as an example of a prayer. Uh, Elijah prayed, and there was no rain. And then he prayed again, and the rain came. But what you don't read in James' story is that when Elijah prayed that the rains would come again, um, he actually prayed eight times. He prayed and then sent his servant to go look and see, are the, are the clouds there? No, okay. He prayed again and sent the servants. He did that eight times. He kept on praying. I, I think I'd stop after maybe round three or round four or round five. And, and I'm wondering for you, what might God be wanting you to ask him about, even with our elders and prayer team this morning, that you've kind of given up on, and, and either you think it's hopeless, or you think God won't answer, or you've kind of shelved it for a time. My sense is this morning that God wants for us here at Hillside Community Church, more than even we want, 
he wants his kingdom to come here. He wants to, his kingdom to come and break out in our experience, in our relationships as a, as a community, in the way we interact with our city, uh, in, in our experiences as we gather on Sunday mornings and in small groups. He wants his kingdom to come. And so we need to ask and keep on asking our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth here as it is in heaven. On earth here, here and now. And so we, as we take the Lord's Supper, we declare again our, our gratitude for all that Jesus is and all that Jesus has done. And, and we have, we look to these elements as faith in the first coming of Jesus, but we also come with our faith being renewed in anticipation of the second coming of Jesus. He will come again. And so may we experience a renewal this morning of our hope. May we experience this morning Jesus propelling us out into the world that he loves that we might be agents of change. May we experience him filling our hearts with joy as we look ahead and go, we ain't seen nothing yet. God's got such great things ahead for us. And then may we pray bolder prayers. And you can pray those this morning just at the back. You can go and pray that. You can pray that in your seat. But sometimes it's good to pray those together. Praying your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to invite our prayer team and our elders to head to the back. They're going to be standing along the back wall there. So if you're at the back, uh, make sure you're seated. Otherwise, somebody might come to you to receive prayer. Um, so grab a, a spot, and uh, our prayer team will, will be there to pray for you. And Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and he broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. This morning, these are the gifts of God for us, the people of God. And if you know Jesus and you want, him, want to know him more, then this table's for you. If you don't feel like you know Jesus, you can, you can meet him at the table. You can come to him and, and say, this is apparently enough for me, Jesus, and I trust you. I put my faith in you. And so I encourage you to do that this morning. Uh, just a couple instructions. Um, so our team's at the back. If you want prayer, you can go back to them and... Uh, Feel free to talk to them about anything. It'll be confidential, and they will pray with you. Um, we've got two aisles that we encourage you to come down and uh, encourage you to do that single file so that uh, people returning to their seats can make their way by you and then return by the outside aisles. That would be, that'd be fantastic. Uh, bread is here and, and, and juice, along with uh, crackers for those who need a gluten-free alternative. But uh, would you now come and enjoy these gifts of God for you?